Um, morning, everybody. Um, I was uh, doing my quiet time, and I'm busy doing Jeremiah, and this scripture just was like, Phew. so I'm going to read it this morning. It's Jeremiah 17, verse 5 to 9. It's just the comparison. You'll hear it. It says, this is the Lord. Um, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness and inhabited salt land. Um, Traveling in Namibia, I can really relate to that, the desert and the salt pans. It's not an easy place to live in. And then the next scripture. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for it leaves, its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord. Do you trust in the Lord this morning? I'm trusting in the Lord this morning because my hope and my heart is that each and every one of us would become like that tree, bearing much fruit as we yield to the Spirit of God, as we yield to what the Lord has, and, and as we surrender to Him anew. I was, uh, while we were even worshiping, the song just came on my heart, I lean, on, I lean not on my own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your path straight. Jesus, we need you. We need you with every inch and fiber in our bones. We love you. We praise you. We glorify you. And Father, this morning I pray that you would come and you would just have your way in, in us. God, as I share that, Lord, it wouldn't just be my idea, but it's your idea. Not my words, but your words. Not my revelation, but your revelation, Jesus. And you would transform us and we would be changed and we would be equipped to be those that reflect you better and better and better. We love you, Jesus. Amen. I really felt I wanted us to share around the word because even afterwards that we were going to a time of response because there is something in the word this morning that I felt just for us as a people and just, yeah, just it's almost to give us some tools and handles in this journey as, as believers. And, um, and so it is, it is great to be together again. And just a couple of new faces. If I haven't greeted you, good morning. Welcome. My name's Chad. Um, hello. Hello. Um, I didn't see the birthday boys. He's missing in action. CJ. See, MIA. Yeah, it's his birthday and he bails in church. Hey, come on, we'll have to. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a real privilege just to share with you guys and just to um, enjoy a morning of worship and fellowship. And you guys worship so incredibly. I tell you what, just to be surrounded by a sea of voices, I think there's something just incredible that happens when, when we do that, when our voices are joined in unison. And as we, uh, as we celebrate the King of glory, the King of glory. So this morning I want to talk about something that, um, see if you get it, it's the one thing the enemy uses, it's in his arsenal, one of the things in his arsenal of separating us from God. 
It's a, you know, he has a plan and he, and he has an agenda to bring about hopelessness and to stop us from doing what God wants us to do. He has a strategy. Has anyone got an idea? Those I've told, you can't shout out the answer. Anyone think they have an idea of what the devil's strategy is, is to get us from stopping to do the will of the Father? Sorry? Busyness? Fear? Anyone else? <laughs> Pride? What? What? The mind. The mind. Well, I'm going to suggest it's temptation. Guilt is another one. <laughs> Condemnation. All of these things. But I think one of the prime strategies of the devil is temptation. He uses it to, to influence us in, in such a way that we would disobey God. And so this morning, I'm hoping that I'm going to give us some handles and just some things in order to combat this. Because I believe as, as Christians and as, as believers, we are, daily we are faced with things and temptations that can either pull us towards God or away from Him. And my heart as an elder, as a, uh, I have the heart of a pastor. I don't go by the title, but I have the heart of a pastor is to see every single one of us walking in the fullness of what Jesus has for us. From the very youngest, and you can hear, I'm sure you heard through the announcements, my passion to see our kids trained up, my heart to see our youngsters equipped, but it's also for us who are a little bit maturer in age. Might not be mature in, in stature, but definitely in age, because you can have an old person who's really immature, and a youngster who's mature, but but young in age. And so I started with a scripture, and then I'm going to talk a little bit around it. It's James chapter 1, verses 12 to 15. We can read together, Tandy. You can put it up. Thank you. So blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Isn't that a beautiful promise? Those that love him will receive a crown of life if we remain steadfast. If we remain sure-footed, planted on a firm foundation, not budging, not moving, but steadfast, rooted, rooted. Let no one say when, he's tempt, when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his, say it with me, own desire. Uh, come on, let's hear it. Own desire. Then desire, when he's conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Dun, dun, dun. Desire. So just as I was just going through this, and, and I will be honest, I um, love listening to what other people, um, and, and not other people, just anybody. I have a very narrow uh, range of people that I listen to, and I think it needs to be like that, because there's so much influence out there, so much information, and, and I was actually just listening to one of the other Josh Jen elders, and the reason I 
you know, oh, but you're keeping it in the family. Well, I do because they're men who I trust, men whose lives I know, men who love Jesus and are part of Josh Gen eldership, not for any other reason, but because they've been proven to be men of character. And so I was listening to one of the other elders in, in Cape Town's message along this, and I was really just, just I was going, God, what is it that you're wanting to, to, to put into us? And and I just, you know, I was just, as I was meditating on it and going, and I thought, you know, that we've been given the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5 talks about the fruits of the Spirit that need to be evident in our life. And so when we, when we have the Holy Spirit in our life and the fruit is evident, how do you know fruit is something that grows? Fruit is something that doesn't just boop and it's there. It takes a, it takes a, a fair amount of cultivation to get that fruit. So I believe as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, as we walk in step with the Holy Spirit, as we are allowing the Holy Spirit to be our very ever-present uh, companion, that the fruit starts to grow in increasing measure. And in Galatians, it talks about that. It talks about that uh, these fruits, there's no law. There's no prescription. And that word actually, the word law is prescription. It says there's no amount or measure. It's increased. It's just there's no measure. I mean, you, if we've gone to the, the doctor and he gives us some, some medication, he gives us a, uh, you know, we've got a flu or antibiotic, if we don't take enough of it, we're not going to get better. And if we take too much of it, we might grow a fifth finger, a sixth finger. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But if we take too much of the medication, we might actually get sick. Has anybody ever experienced that? We, we had a very... A near disaster as parents early in the days as, as with littleies. I think it was Rebecca. Eh? She had a high temperature. We couldn't. And we're like, man, we've just, and, and we, we, we learn as parents very quickly. There's things called suppositories, which work like that. <laughs> it's sticking something up the backside. Right. <laughs> and so we had these suppositories and we had some, like the girls here. Rebecca's not here, so she's there with the kids this morning. Don't you dare go and rag her, okay? She, had, she, was, she wasn't of an age where she could have said no. She was a tiny little tot. And it was, it was, I think it was the middle of the night. She, she'd really been struggling with a fever, and we had a, a range of medication. And we put the wrong suppository in. We put an adult dosage suppository in. <laughs> Oh my goodness, did we sweat bricks? And we phoned our friends who are nurses. We phoned the hospital. Like, do we need to bring her in? And they were like, it's okay. Oh, did you? Oh, goodness, I forgot about it. I thought we didn't. Yeah, so we had to go to we got had to go to hospital under surveillance, maybe just monitoring, making sure heart rate was okay, that this suppository wasn't gonna do something that it shouldn't do. Thank you, Jesus, it never did. <laughs> but I tell you, it was a hard lesson that we learned. And so but the, 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 the thing about this is that the fruits, there's no measure, <laughs> ever increasing, ever increasing. And we have these, these gifts, these fruits, which cause us just to shine Jesus. But we have the opportunity to choose whether we want them to be ever increasing in our life. And that's where temptation you know, seizes the opportunity to do either what is wrong or what is right. And so... I just like I was just thinking about we 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 focused last week a lot on joy and I thought you know it was so good because that is one of the fruits of the Holy, Holy Spirit. So how do we increase in joy? Do we put ourselves into a joyful environment? 
No. How do we increase in love? Do we put ourselves into a loving environment? No. How do we increase in peace? Do we put ourselves into a peaceful environment? No. I believe the only way we can increase in these fruits is actually by being in, in, in environments where there is no joy. Because then we have an opportunity to be joyful. And we have an opportunity to allow the fruit to, to be born in our lives so that it can affect those around us. Same with love. If you're in a, in a situation which is, is all hunky-dory, you're never going to have an opportunity to grow because it's always going to be easy. It's always going to be joy. And so you're never going to grow. If it's always a loving environment, you're never going to grow. You're never going to grow in love. If it's peaceful the whole time, you're never going to grow as an individual in peace. And, and, and so we have this opportunity in, in our workplace, in our school, in whatever circumstance we have to grow in increasing measure. But we have the opportunity to choose. And that is where I believe that the devil would want to use temptation to distract us from growing, distract us from actually becoming more like God would be in, those, in, in that environment. You know, we, we, we can never ever claim to be faithful if we've never had the opportunity to be unfaithful. We can never claim to be a good people if we've never been tempted to be bad. So we've all been tempted at some point, and we've, and you know, the, the, the devil, he is sneaky. He has set traps to catch us. He does. He sets traps. Am I the only one? <laughs> but come on. He has a plan. The Bible says he wants to outwit us. But the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit. Satan wants to take us out. He wants to rob us of intimacy with the Father. He wants to rob us of going forward. He wants to rob our marriages our families, and he will use temptation as a means to do it. And how does he do that? Well, it starts, as we saw in that scripture in James, the word desire, the inside man, desire. I'm sure many of you have watched uh, the bank heist movies, eh? And how do those things always prove to be successful, really? It's because there's an inside man. There's someone in the inside that has the key card, and he passes it under the counter kind of things. There's always someone with the intel on how the cameras are, what the God change over. It's the inside man. And I believe desire is the inside man. That scripture in James says, but each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. So if you understand how the devil works, remember he's always trying to counterfeit what God's doing. He's always, he's always got a plan. And so, and I love the scripture in Psalms. It says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so if the Lord wants to give us the desires of our heart and those things which would be pure and just and righteous, how much more would the devil want to be giving us the desires of our heart? He wants to counterfeit what the Lord is doing. And so when the desire's there... The devil looks for that gap. He looks for the inside man. And so you need to even now already start thinking, what are the desires of my heart? And only you will know. I can't judge your heart. Only you will know. What are the deepest, deepest desires? What are your longings? What are those 
The Bible calls them the lusts of the flesh. What are those things? Because we are fleshly by nature. I mean, we, we, you know, we, 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 are, we are flesh, and it's through the Spirit, and we need to die to the flesh. We need to die daily to the flesh in order for the Spirit to live and in order for the Spirit to operate in us. You know, when we love God, our one plan is to please Him. That should be our desire, to become the very thing that God feeds, very thing, so that He can become more. He can become more in us. But you know, when we become bitter and offended and, and when we allow these things to, to surface and we give into them and we allow the desire to love God changes Sinful desire. You know, if you have the desire to be, to, be, to be jealous, you'll have an opportunity. If you have the desire to hurt someone, you'll have an opportunity. The devil knows. He knows. The inside man. He's watching. Second thing he uses to get us is doubt. Come on. Doubting who we are in Christ, doubting our security in Him, doubting that we are a child of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Did God really say? <laughs> Come on, Genesis. Did God really say? That's where it started, doubt. He put, drops that seed of doubt. And I know there are many of us sitting in this room this morning, and I'm praying that God would set you free because that thing of doubt, it destroys your life. Did he really save me? Has he really died for my sin? Has he really done a work for me? Is the cross really complete? Is the work of the cross really complete? Come on. <laughs> This is what trips us up. Many of us sitting here this morning, we struggle with these things. And I'm sick and tired of us getting taken out by the devil. I'm like, finger up your nose, bro. Come on. Like, honestly, can we just grow up in the Lord and move on? Stop going round and round the mountain. Stop listening to the lies of the devil. Stop allowing him to bring the doubt in. Throw, you know, does God really want you to be humble? Did he really ask you to lay down your life? Does he really want you to give up that birthday party for that opportunity to serve? Does he really, nah, nah, God doesn't do that. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to be styling. That's the lie of the enemy, doubt, and so we get tempted. <sighs> How I feel. Another thing he uses, another tactic is deception. Dun, dun, dun. Deception. He is the father of lies. He is the chief liar. And he doesn't want you to become who God made you to be, so he will lie to you. He will lie to you, telling you that you're worthless. He will lie to you, telling you, it's, it's similar to doubt, obviously, but he will deceive you 
as often as he can. He will deceive you into believing that everyone else is out to hurt you. No one loves you in the church. You know what? I didn't get greeted at the door today, so I'm going home. I'm never going back to that church. I've invited so many people into my home for dinner. No one's invited me into theirs, so I'm not going to be part of that church. The pastors are too busy for me. He wants to deceive. It's not about the pastors. We're a priesthood of all believers. And, you know, next week with bringing in some members, Monet's going to come and share. And I'm going to actually ask him to share on something specifically because it's understanding what it means to be part of the body. Abiding, belonging, contributing, and being discipled. The ABCDs. I don't want to give too much because I can do it as well, but I want him to share it because it's his, he coined it, actually, I stole it from him. Deception, don't be deceived. Don't be, de- don't be deceived to think that you're greater than you are. But don't doubt that you're a child of God. Don't doubt. You know what I'm saying? I think often that they, pride, arrogance deceives us. It does. Let me drink some water. Where to go? My mouth is very dry today. <laughs> I must be honest. Actually, can I ask some of the guys who were saying to me before, you're right. Actually, I, I've been quite nervous for this preach. Not because I'm nervous to speak in front of people, but because I really believe the weight of this, and if it comes from here to here, we'll be changed and transformed. Really, we will be. Those of us struggling in areas of our lives, and I know there are guys struggling, whether it be addiction, whether it be Pornography, drugs, medication, smoking, anger, food, too much greed, whatever it might be, the lust of the flesh. I know there are many of us struggling. Patience, we struggle with being, you know, tell you what, if we can overcome the devil, if we can overcome these temptations, we will reflect Jesus. We will be closer to him. Uh, really, can we, can we determine in our hearts this morning, and that is my prayer, Jesus, that each and every one of us would just see you, and we would really keep our eyes focused on you. I was sharing um, actually with a couple yesterday just how that thing about keeping our eyes focused on Jesus is the only way. When we look at our circumstances and our situation and how fraught it might be and how bad it might be, what's going to happen? We're going to sink. We need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and going, Jesus, I'm walking to you. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. I'm, I'm focused on you. Don't look at our circumstances. Don't look at the situation. It will get you down. But Jesus. You know, that one of the determining factors is, is drawing close to God. Drawing near to Him. If you don't draw near to him, instinctively you will rebel and you will be, you will, your heart will rebel. You need to draw near to God. So how can we overcome temptation? And these seven, I believe, seven very practical things. I can see all the notes here flying. I'm like, <laughs> it's wonderful. Firstly, we've got to be reconciled to God. That's where it starts. And this morning, if you are not in a relationship with Jesus, you 
have the opportunity of coming to Him. You have the opportunity to repent in faith and meet with the Creator of heavens and earth. That's where it starts. Acknowledge that Jesus is the only one. He is the only one that can make you right before God. None of your good works, none of your good things you do in whatever, none of that ever is going to make you right before God. Jesus is the only one. And you've got to recognize that. You've got to recognize that. He died for our place, in our place, to satisfy the wrath of God. And he rose from the dead to prove that the debt was paid. That is the truth. Come on. Let it sink in. Let that be our victory cry. You see, apart from Christ, we're all enslaved to sin. We're all enslaved to sin. But it's thanks to God. Romans 6, 17 says this. Thanks be to God that you were once slaves to sin. You became obedient from the heart to be strained. To, to the standard of teaching of which you were committed and have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We need to give thanks. Scripture says that the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation. You know that? Scripture says that, Second Peter. He knows how to rescue the godly from temptation. Jesus, he is the one. Turn away from sin, my friends. Turn away. Turn away. Hebrews 14 says, Do we not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things as we were, as we are, yet without sin? Therefore, let us draw near to God. Draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive the mercy and find grace to help us in times ahead of need. Confession. Confess. Commit each day in repentance. Repentance isn't a one-sort thing. Can I just say that? Some of us think, I gave my life to Jesus then, I repented, I said the prayer. Now, confess your sins daily. Salvation is a thing we work out daily in fear and trembling. Every day I need to wake up and say, Jesus, without you, I am lost. I need you today. Father, would you come? Pray. Pray for his protection and strength to endure daily. Come on, we need to be reconciled to the Father. Needs to start there. So even right now, can we just close our eyes? Lord Jesus, if there's anyone here right now, Holy Spirit, would you? bring about a reconciliation. It's only through revelation of your Holy Spirit that we can enter into relationship with the living King. None of our good works, nothing we've ever done, but you, Jesus. Second point, meditate on God's Word. Honestly, can I be a little bit, I'm tired of people saying they're struggling when they're not spending time with God. Honestly, don't come and complain if you're not doing the work. I, I, is it a bit hard? Sorry? Okay. <laughs> I just, come on. You know, people moan and moan and moan, but they're not doing the work. We've got to submit to ourselves. We've got to discipline ourselves to spending time in the Word of God. Don't think it's just going to come with a click of our fingers and it's like, 
you know, this is, I prayed that prayer with Chad and the guys that Saturday night and, and whatever, and now I'm okay. No, you need to do the work. Discipline. Discipline. Come on. I was encouraged. I mean, we're all disciplined in some way because we wake up and go to work every day. So if we can discipline ourselves to set an alarm, wake up at 6 o'clock, get up, get dressed, have breakfast, get in the car, go to work, stay there for 8 or 9 hours, go, come home. That's a form of discipline. Why not? Can we not do it for Jesus and spending time with Him? And it's not like as quick as I can so I can get onto the next thing and then let's move along. No. Meditate on His Word. Let the Word become engraved in your heart. You know, there's going to be lots of things to distract us from spending time with the Word of God, in the Word of God. But Romans is very clear. I'll just read it again because we all know the Scripture. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I feel like I'm a preacher this morning. Come on. Come on. Come on. Psalm 119 says, Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. That's a tool. That's, I'm giving you tools for your backpack. The Word of God. If I've treasured the Word in my heart, the psalmist says that I may not sin against you. How did the Lord fight the temptations when Satan approached him in the desert? What did he qu- He quoted Scripture. He quoted Scripture. He quoted Scripture and not out of context. All right. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? How do we think differently? Someone said the mind. Somebody, yeah, someone said the mind. How do we think differently? Good stuff in. Well, I'm going to use this one. Garbage in, garbage out. Good stuff in, good stuff out. Did you know that? I got taught that as a kid. Garbage in, garbage out. What are you renewing your mind with daily? Are you renewing your mind with stuff that's going to feed the desire? Because we have desires, and so you're going to watch Netflix till all hours of the night and feed the desires of the last. Just putting it out there. If we have a struggle with food, are we going to walk up and down the deli aisle? <laughs> I just want to make a light of it because I feel like getting a bit like hardcore here. Come on, the Word, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians says that, let the Word of Christ richly dwell in you. That's Colossians. It says that in 3.16. I didn't give it to you, Tony, but let the Word of God richly dwell within you. So that when you walk by the Spirit, you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Again, Galatians. You know, sin, like I said, deception, it's deceptive. How's this for a phrase? And I didn't come up with it. I'm giving someone else the credit. I can't remember who it was. Sin promises. It promises what it does not give, and it gives what it never promised. It promises what it does not give, and gives what it never promises. 
Spend time in the Word, guys. Come on. Come on. You can never be too busy. Um, I, there's some, some of you guys work hectic jobs. Eh? I think we've got surgeons in our congregation. We've got accountants. We've got... Have we got lawyers? Anybody a lawyer around here? No. <laughs> They're not putting up their hand. We've got men that have their own businesses. We've got builders. We've got guys in construction. We've got administrators. We've got teachers. I must teachers are up there when it comes to busyness. But we've got IT specialists. We've got a whole host of people in our congregation. But we can never be too busy for God. And spending time with Him. Third thing, we need to deny ungodliness and cultivate godliness. Cultivate, cultivate godliness. Means we need to grow. We need to add stuff. We need to, a farmer cultivates his fields. If any of you have been to John's farm and seen his macadamia nuts that half of us planted in lockdown, remember who was there? A couple of us? Come on, let's see who was there. There's a share in the harvest coming in a few time. <laughs> we went there the other day. I mean, how many of you remember? Those trees were like this high when we planted them. They this high. He's been cultivating them. He's been feeding them nutrients. And it's incredible. If you haven't been to the farm recently, take, do yourselves a favor and go and have a look at those rows of trees that stand as tall as a man. It's beautiful. Cultivate a godliness this side of eternity because we won't have an opportunity when we're that side of eternity. So put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Deny the flesh. Make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. It's not enough to deny ungodly desires, but you have to find your godly desires fulfilled. You can't, it's like that, that, that story about the empty house, you know, like a clean, you know, sweep the room clean and leave it empty. You've got to replace it with godly, godly living, godly things. It's not enough just to deny the ungodly desires, but you've got to find the godly desires. What is, maybe, what's a godly desire fulfilled in your life? Anyone? Let's, uh, let's get some ideas here. Can I get you thinking? It's a godly desire to hear God. Hey? See the lost saved. Come on. I know that beats on many of our hearts. Do we have that godly desire beating? Anything else? Healing, fellowship. I heard some here. Serving, service, acts of service, yeah, in the church. Coming early as a community. Like, yeah, that's, that's a godly thing to serve. It is. See miracles. Come on. Oh, hey? I thought so. Okay. Fourth thing. Oh, this is the nice one. Because you know what? As humans, we are so stupid. <laughs> Avoid the tempting situation. Hello? 
Can I get an amen? <laughs> Avoid the tempting situation. Duh. <laughs> Come on. The Lord taught it. Do not lead us to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, I was thinking about that this morning. He wasn't saying that the Lord's going to lead us. He was saying, Lord, don't lead us to temptation. No, Lord, don't, don't take. He's not going to do that. We're going to take ourselves along that path of temptation. If you struggle with things, don't go there. Come on. 101. <laughs> Come on. Get out of there quickly. Get out of there quickly. I love what the story of Joseph he was in a tempting situation. He had the boss's wife come on to him. And trust me, she was a babe. <laughs> All right, she was pretty. Because the boss, he probably had a couple of wives, and he, she might have been his, I don't know, maybe she was his favorite one, I don't know. And he had lots of money, and he would adorn her with jewels and diamonds and make sure she had all the racket spa treatment. <laughs> hey, come on. What did he do? He ran. Yeah, it got him into the dungeon, but rather be in the dungeon for a few short years than be in the dungeon from God for eternity. Come on. Short-term pain for long-term gain. We're in it to win it. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> Come on. And you know what? Sometimes fleeing from the temptations means we have to stay away from those who want to influence, influence us. <laughs> Influence us. Influence. Go say it. Influence. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like influenza. <laughs> it, it feels like it's a virus. We've got to run. We've got to hang out with people that are not going to cause us to sin. If your crowd is a bad crowd, then don't let them be your crowd no more. Honestly, sometimes we really are stupid. I'm, I'm going to say it. And if that offends you, I'm sorry. But really, as we're stupid. We hang out, we go with the crowd that's doing all the wrong stuff. We go with the crowd that's making all the bad decisions. You know, we, I've, I've, I've seen over there, and, and, and so men in, in the marketplace, like, oh, well, I don't hang out. No, you have a business dinner. Your boss says, guys, we're going out for a supper. And what happens? There's a number of drinks. I remember a couple of years ago dealing with a young man who had a very high position in a business. He went out with the company to go and have drinks. I'm not going to give you the details, but he made the most stupidest mistake that almost cost him his marriage because he got a little bit, had a little bit too much. He didn't get drunk, but he had a little bit too much to drink. He got tempted just to have one more than he should have. He almost lost his marriage. By God's grace. But because of the choice he made after that, okay? So he was tempted, got a bit tipsy, made a bad decision. And he wasn't a youngster. He was a respectable businessman. Don't think that because you've, you know, you've achieved much in the world that you are above and beyond attack. You know what? I, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this. I dropped it with Sean because he phoned me on Friday morning sitting in the lounge in Joburg about to fly to to, to, um, to Hong Kong, I said, buddy, just remember, you're still a man, and I'm here for you. You're not above the devil wanting to tempt you. But we know Sean. He's an incredible man. Come on, we're like, 
She won't, Andrew, we won't travel alone as elders, as men. We, we, we go with, I go with my wife. I'm not going to do an overseas trip alone because I'm not beyond being tempted. I'm not immune. I might have my vaccinations, but I'm not immune <laughs> against that thing. There's no vaccination against that thing. Trust me, okay, no vaccine will work. <laughs> Come on, am I right? Am I, am I speaking to men, uh, businessmen here that know who have traveled? Let's be honest. Women, the temptation to sit and talk about how bad our husbands are or how bad things are and that person and this and that. Avoid those conversations. Flee. We're losing sound panels. It's my piercing voice there in the back. You know, I, I, I have always been, I've really been so encouraged when I've seen young guys come to me and say, you know what, I've actually had to sacrifice some friendships because I know that they weren't, they weren't taking me somewhere. And it's, the, it's sometimes it's been the hardest thing to do, and it feels like it in the moment. But I tell you what, the reward is eternal. The reward is eternal. Where am I? So what have I looked at? Point number five, eh? Okay, let's just, yeah, a couple more quickly. Sorry, I'm talking long here, but it's good stuff. <laughs> Be transparent to God and to others. Recognize that your sin first is fundamentally directed against God. Okay? I mean, Joseph, he declared in, in that story there, he says, how could I do this great evil and sin against God? Remember that when you sin, you're sinning against God. When you give in to that temptation and you sin, which then leads to death, you've actually sinned against God. Not against me. I can't get you into heaven. You need to be transparent. James 5, 16 says, confess your sins one to another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. You know, as a young boy, I always used to use this as an excuse. We can, we can use this as an excuse, Scripture, that I didn't need to confess my sins to anyone because man can't confess. I, man can't forgive me. Like, if I sin and mess up in the private place, what's, like, it's, it's between me and God. And so why must I tell anyone else? I lived under that deception. Why? Then I read this section, and pray for one another that you may be healed or made whole. I don't have to get, if, if I sin against God, I don't really need your forgiveness, but I need His forgiveness, but I need you to pray for me so that I can be set free and be made whole. I need you around, and we need we need each other. How's this? Proverbs. Oh, 28, 13. He who conceals his transgression, his sin, will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Openness, transparency, accountability. We speak it all the time. And accountability isn't me being the policeman coming to check up on you and say, so, um, can I use you as an example? John, so you've been struggling with that area of stealing notches under the counter. 
How's it going? Yeah, I know. I haven't stolen an archie in six years. That's not accountability. <laughs> accountability is, Chad, you know what? I'm struggling with stealing archies. But, man, I was, won't you pray with me so that I don't give in to that? That's accountability. Not waiting for me to phone you and say, hey, how's it going with that issue? Not waiting for one of the leaders or your comm leader or someone to phone you and say, hey, how's it going? No, you guys have been struggling in that area. How's it? That's not accountability. That's relationship, actually. And I will do that because I love you and because I want to, but I'm not doing it as a policeman to check up, check up on you. Accountability is you. Transparency is you picking up the phone, sitting down with the guy and say, bud, I'm struggling. Can, you, can we walk together? I'm about to fall. What do I do? And I'm like, run, Forrest, run. <laughs> Come on. Confession. Come on. He who conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses it for the sake of them will find compassion. <sighs> Flee. And Timothy, he says, flee from youthful lust. Flee, come on. Again, running, escape. And the last point, number seven. Oh, sorry, sorry. Number six is the last point, sorry. I merged five and six in my mind. I didn't change it on my mind notes. When I was going through it this morning, I was like, no, those two points are the same <laughs> kind of thing. Um, just as I was working through it again. Point number six, keep an eternal perspective. Again, short-term pain for long-term gain. Are we living for the now, what satisfies, what feels good for now? Or are we living for eternity? Are we living for eternity? We need to have eternity in mind. This is just a click of the fingers in the light of eternity. It's a short period of time. How often, like, I tell you, the perspective of time on earth is, for me, sometimes I start thinking about it, and I think, yes, it was like 100 years ago when that happened, and 200 years or 2,000 years ago when that happened, it feels like, like my little 80 years in existence in this world can never compare to the 2,000 years ago. And so we, but I tell you what, eternity is a long time. And one day we're going to stand before Jesus. We're going to stand before him. And you know what? I love this in Proverbs. It says, the eye, Proverbs 15 verse 3, it says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching evil and good. The Lord knows. And that's why I say we need to, we need to think about eternity because we can only hide for so long. But one day in eternity, all will be Revealed. I love the scripture in Ecclesiastes, and I'm going to close off on this. And I want to, I know I'm going to ask for us to respond because I know that we are many of us, and maybe I'm the only one here, but many of us face this on a daily basis. And Jesus wants to set us free. But look at the scripture in Ecclesiastes. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Said enough. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Nothing more to be said.
Nothing more to be done. Fear God. Fear God. Fear God. Keep His commandments. I was sharing, we, we met with a couple yesterday and we were just chatting and I said to them, you know, fear of man is actually rooted in pride and because we're afraid of what people might think of us. Me. Fear of God. I need to be afraid of what God thinks of me because I want to please him. So it's, so it's rooted in this thing of wanting to please man. Fear of man is also a thing of, is, there's a link between wanting to please man because we're afraid of man and we're afraid of what they might think of us. When we fear God, we want to please God because we're more worried about what he thinks of us than what anyone else does. And so at the end of it all, we will stand before him and he will know it all. Nothing hidden. Nothing kept in the dark place. All exposed. And Stephen alluded to the moon. And you know, the moon cannot give off its own light. We see the moon because it's reflecting the sun. But the sun gives off its own light. That all-encompassing light that envelops, that engulfs, that exposes all darkness. You know, if you're in a room of light, you can't bring darkness into that room and put out the light. But if you're in a room of darkness and you bring in light, you will put out the darkness. Have you ever gone into a lit room and brought a torch of darkness in there? Don't work. The rest of the room's not going to be dark. <laughs> but if you come into a dark room with a little torch, a little light, and you stand for long enough and your eyes adjust, and you stand in that corner with a little candlelight, eventually you'll see what's on that side of the building. That's the light. It exposes. It brings us into a place of light. And that is what Jesus wants to do. The devil is out to rob, kill, destroy. Don't let him take you out, please. Don't let him destroy what God has begun. Don't let him rob you. Don't let him take you out. He has. He has got an incredible plan for your life. Every single one of us. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. Don't be, dece don't be led by your own desires. Don't doubt and don't be deceived. Jesus paid it all. Where's Noe? Why don't you come up, my boy? I think you actually had that song. Did you, you were actually singing that song. 